What's up guys, it's Hard Rock Nick, one of the richest men in the world, and welcome to Phantom Unchained, the show you're too scared to tell your girlfriend that you watch. Quit your crying, put on your big boy panties, and let's get this show on the road. P.S. Beavis is my baby daddy. Hard Rock Nick the fuck out. What is happening, ladies and gentlemen? My name is Austin with FTM Alerts, and welcome to Phantom Unchained, episode number 30. With me, as always, my wonderful co-host, $24, Double Sharp, and Crypto Clay. Bebus just woke up. He'll be here in a minute. I hope he gets a Celsius. Celsius, like, if it weren't for Celsius, I don't think we'd have a show, man. How are you guys doing? Good. Doing good. great. Good. 24, what are you wearing today, bro? What do you got on your shirt? Bro, uh, Alan Iverson. My girlfriend got me this for my birthday. Are you talking about? Like, you talking about practice? Yeah, yeah, that's my man. That's my man. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Are we still poor? That's what I want to know. Are we still poor, or like, is the market turning around? I feel like, I don't know. I feel like I can quit my job. Half McDonald's poor, now. half rich. I don't know. Maybe a little Shit. bit. I'll ask. I'll ask Beavis when he gets here. He's the only guy with any money because he kept it in USDC. All right, let's uh, let's get into some shit here. So, Stablecoin. Doquan, man. I had to give him a shout out yesterday, dude, because he's just like the, the fucking Chad, bro. I'm excuse my language, but we're just I'm gonna cuss on this episode. The dude is just he's just like transferring $125 million at a time into uh Binance and just like like ripping into the market. And I absolutely love to see it. So um if you pull up the the monthly chart, I'm not going to do it because I end up being a top signal whenever I do that. But uh, if you pull up the monthly chart on Bitcoin, you'll notice that the uh, stochastic RSI is at its lowest level since 2019. And it is crossing over right now. And the monthly candle ends in eight hours. And if that happens and we maintain some level on Bitcoin, 
dare I say, we're getting bullish, boys. And I think we're going to see a very nice April, May, June, however long it decides to hang out this time. What do you guys think? Where are y'all at on this? It's not a yeah, weird I mean, spot. You know, I, I do agree with the monthly, um, but, you know, you kind of want to see where it goes from here just because, <clears> man, I can't I can't be too sure of any, uh, anything. I'm sure that a lot of people can kind of agree. Uh, it's tough to time markets, but just invest. Stay there for a while. But, yeah, Clay, go 24, ahead. your comments prove to me that the Wall Street cheat sheet that puts us into, like, euphoria and then, oh, my God, I'm losing my house and then disbelief is accurate, bro. Because we, <laughs> we've been, like, abused by the market for the last four or five months. I mean – we're coming back going, I know he loves me, but I can't leave him type of shit. You know what I mean? We got black I, I can't eyes trust and... it. I can't trust it. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Clay, what do you think, man? Yeah, I mean, you know, things have been a little pretty ugly since November. So we've been, you know, I think we've been in in it for a while. Uh, I, I was looking at the daily Bitcoin chart yesterday at the, the 50 AMA, the 100 and the 200. And we've been we've we've been testing the 200 a couple different two different times now. But I zoomed out and went backwards and said, when, you know, when was the last time we were above all three? It was uh, December, December of 20. And we all know what happened in, in, you know, yeah. leading into May. And then October of 21. And in November of 21, we set the all-time high, right? And so mm -hmm. if, if history repeats itself and that's, you know, that's an indicator, then I like where we're headed. It's good stuff. We, we've showed a huge accumulation range for a while now on Bitcoin. I mean, there's just yep. been no, there's no question about it that we've, we've seen some massive accumulation. And I'm not like one of those glass node guys. I don't really go and look at the inflows and outflows and all that shit. But for people that do, and you can catch them on YouTube, there's a ton of them that, that want you to watch their channels. Uh, they show some pretty bullish metrics that I completely agree with. So... Uh, and for the first time in a freaking long time, Phantom is moving against Bitcoin. We have been, and the Phantom BTC chart has basically sat on a major line of support for like, I don't know, a while, dude, weeks. And we're finally seeing some movement, which tells me that uh, the risk on attitude might be returning to the market. So let's go. Let's fucking go. Shout, shout out to Tweak for... Uh putting up the chart that, that Phantom has broken resistance and hopefully we're headed to, to, you know, dollar 70 or whatever he put. And yo uh, tweaks the man. Actually, you know what I'm going to do? I am an, all right. So hopefully I don't, I don't become a top signal. I've been practicing my top signals. I'm really, <laughs> I've been pretty freaking good at it. So let's look at the, uh, let me put this on the, on the screen here. Let's look at the Phantom BTC chart just for a minute. And I want to pull up the weekly cause it's, um, strange. So, this is an old fib. Let me get the, actually, you know what? I'm going to show you an old fib just to kind of show you what the market did. So when we go from the swing high to the swing low and pull it over, you'll notice that the market essentially bounced right off the 1.618. Yeah. And we're talking in sats here, right? So 7,900 sats, which is essentially like two, uh, 220% from where we are. Now, if we assume we've hit bottom and that's a grave assumption, but we are making it and I pull another Fibonacci here, the 1.618 will take us up to uh, 10,880 roughly if that if if the cycle repeat, right? And of course, there's no guarantee that it's going to, but uh, that would be definitely a target that I would be looking at if I were a TA guy, which I'm um, not really, kind of, maybe a little bit. All right. Let's fucking move on. <laughs> Let's talk about something else. All right. Everybody quit your job at McDonald's. So uh, we
we did a uh, we did an AMA with the foundation guys, man. I felt like it went really, really well. I'm just like every time I chat with Mike or I see Mike do an AMA, I'm like, this guy is just killing the game lately because he wasn't, you know, he was like out there, but he wasn't like out there prior to Andre's departure. But now he's just like hitting him out of the park, man. So, um, Clay, this was your topic. Why don't you why don't you kick us off on this one while I vape? <laughs> sure. Yeah, no, honestly, I, I I thought that AMA was was the best one that I've seen. Uh, of the five that I think have happened since uh, uh, Unchained. And honestly, there's so, like so much alpha throughout. Like if you haven't watched it, spend the hour and 15 minutes. It's completely worth it. We threw in timestamps, skip, you know, skip around, do whatever you want. But so for me, like, what, you know, what was a, a key, like a really key takeaway, right? So um, I, you know, I'm big on narratives and I'm big on not getting hung up on, on singular points in the market for Phantom. There's, there's way, you know, we're way, we're way bigger than that. So, the one that really stood out to me was, was will the FVM be a singular event? Um, and obviously, you know, I think the expectation needs to be set with the community that the answer is no, right? It's not going to be a singular event. We've got middleware upgrades, uh, you know, reading and writing on-chain data, flat storage, auto-pruning, all these different things. Um, and so basically the FVM can execute transactions in fewer steps is what, you know, Kong said. Um, but what really stood out to me is that you know, he went on to point out that most layer ones and layer twos are not really looking at um, uh, improvements to the smart uh, the smart contract stack, and Phantom is right. So, you know, if you're thinking about Phantom in, in five years from now, if they execute this the way that they say that they probably will or or, or can, like they, you know, the the potential is exponential. Um, and I got so jazzed up by who I'm calling Dr. Schulte. Uh, I didn't know much about the guy last time. Bernie, call him Bernie, bro. Bernie. <laughs> Uh, I didn't know much about him, but I, I didn't realize that he actually had a grant program at University of Sydney, and then they've brought him in. And so he, apparently he's been an EVM expert since 2016, and that grant program is now going towards Phantom uh, Virtual Machine. And so we've got some heavy hitters with pockets and grants working on this thing, and that is super bullish. So you know, I think you know, everybody just needs to temper expectations, but, but be excited. It's super cool. Guys, sorry for screwing up. I didn't turn comments on. It was like, it's like oh, half, okay. it's probably most of the reason you guys watch this shit is because of the comments. So I apologize. <laughs> I apologize. Who, um, who wants to go? Say, Double sharp 24. Go for it. I won't say a specific thing kind of got me excited, but just the overall general direction Phantom and the Foundation seems to be going. Like they're they're clearly thinking long-term with FVM and, and, and network growth. I know you guys touched on that. And, and there's so many different things they're touching on. Like, they're focusing on um i would kind of be upset if it was just a singular topic but it seems like the foundation they understand what a network need a network needs to grow um so I'm, I'm pretty bullish on that so just just general like it was good to hear from them i'm sure like um other networks don't really have the kind of same connection that that we have with the foundation where, where they're constantly talking to especially michael kong lately um so it's 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 nice to hear especially like looking at, you know, the past couple, maybe a couple months, you know, some people have been kind of down, but just hearing what they have to say has been, been a great positive. JB, what up, dude? Did, do you have a, do you have a Celsius? You don't sound like you have a Celsius. No, I need to get it, but. Bro, yeah, you know I'm how we old, should start the um, show? We should, we should get some of those old like Hawaiian punch can openers, dude, and shotgun a Celsius <laughs> right when we start the show. Just like complete degenerate freaking people we're talking about uh 
What are we talking about? Double Sharp, what are we talking about right now? We're talking about the uh, the Phantom Foundation AMA takeaways. What did we learn? Double Sharp, you want to take this yeah. one? Um, I mean, the part that uh, stuck out to me because my name got mentioned several times was the um, EIP we love you, bro. 559, which, I mean, I think it's still sort of TBD when, if, and how that gets implemented on Phantom. Um, for people that don't know the way it works on Ethereum is it's a change to the, the way the gas estimation works and the, the gas markets. So um, instead of the uh, fees just going to the miners, there's a base fee that gets burned and then you can still, you know, prioritize your transaction by adding a, a tip to it. Um, and Phantom already burns a portion of the fees, um, the transaction fees, but there's also, you know, staking rewards that are, that are, obviously different than Ethereum right now that doesn't have them. So um, overall, though, what if that does get implemented, what it will, will mean, though, is is better gas estimation. Uh, it it kind of helps prevent people from overpaying for their transactions. So you won't see the the spikes in, um, in gas fees as much. And then I've also just been brainstorming about ways that 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 EIP can be tweaked a little bit for Phantom so that you can continue incentives for validators, but also delegators potentially, um, you know, you have some options there. So I think it's it's cool to see that they're thinking about ways to continue optimizing gas and, and keeping uh, keeping the gas fees low, because that is one of the selling points of Phantom. But um, right now you'll see people paying more than they necessarily should, which, you know, gives people the wrong impression of, of what the network is capable of. Nice, nice. Beavis, what do you got, buddy? Uh... I didn't watch the AMA. <laughs> oh my god, dude! All right, all right, I'll jump in. Not so, yet. Uh, you, get in there, man. It was nice. John had good, good internet. Um, I know. I've heard good ass things about it, but I was. Sam, I've been. I had I like Sam six straight there. hours of meetings yesterday. Man, you're good, dude. You're good. So, uh, what was I gonna say? I had something. Oh, okay. So a couple things, man. So the way that they can incentivize validators was something I had no idea about. And and Sam kind of educated us to the fact that you know emissions are not the only way that validators can be incentivized. And double sharp, I thought you had like a really really good idea with EIP fifteen fifty nine um, instead of burning potentially redirecting that over to validators, which. You know, assuming it's sufficient, more network use, more going in that direction, right? That was something that that I thought was pretty, pretty solid. And the other thing I really got from that was um, that, I mean, we knew that it was more people than just Andre, but they've got some big brains looking at how to improve the EVM. And when I was hearing Mike Kong, you know, kind of explain how this was going to go, it's not going to be a singular event where all of a sudden they just turn it on. It's going to be little incremental upgrades over time. One of those is happening right now uh, with the SnapSync upgrade, which I believe we're gonna talk about in a little bit. But I think what we're going to see are little quality of life improvements within the Phantom Network. Another thing that he talked about were the amount of units of gas per block, which I, I didn't understand that leading up to that. But the network is operating in a way that has to be intentionally throttled based on the EVM. Am I correct in that double sharp? Mm -hmm. And that when they fix this, they can they can manually remove that limitation on how much can be processed in a single block. Yeah, and there, I mean it's 
the way that gas works is there's the gas price and then there's units of gas. So on a, on a transaction level, the fee that you pay is the, the amount of gas times the price. Um, and then there's also limits within a block. So there's a limit within the transaction so that you can't use up all of the gas units in a block. And then there's also block gas limits so that, you know, you can't just use an unlimited amount of gas. So a network can support it and you're able to, to keep things in sync, which is one of the main issues with increasing block size and the amount of gas and stuff that can go into a transaction is making sure that you don't have latency across the network. So if they can, and I'm, I'm thinking SnapSync helps with things like this and other improvements, but if you're able to increase the amount of gas that you can spend per block, then you can put more transactions into that block, which means more throughput. Let's go. Let's hey, go. Awesome. One other thing that I thought I, I forgot to mention. So, uh, Dr. Bernie apparently is uh, Bernie. Like, one of his one of his remits apparently is they're building some type of real time like bug checking for smart contracts. So with, with focus on reentrancy uh, uh, re exploits, um, and so apparently in this new world of phantom virtual machine, when you have new smart contracts, you can actually check them with some type of bug checker. With the amount of hacks that we see, if that's true and that's and it's legit, then I think that's pretty cool. Wait, was that Probably how they built set into it? the compiler? Is it that'd be in? really cool? I I mean, because right now there's slither, which is not built in. I don't know what kind of value add reentrancy checker that's not built in would be, or maybe it is a reentrancy checker that takes into account their changes for the FVM. Um, because right now, like to check reentrancy and to check for stuff like that, uh, basically, like what I would do is I would hit it with trail of bits tool called Slither, which is just like a Python package. And then Slither will flag things that are capable of reentrancy. And then you manually review those things and see if the reentrancy is dangerous. Um, because you can reenter, you know, all sorts of functions, but um, whether or not it's dangerous depends on how you're mutating state um, and modifying all the different global variables uh, within that function. Um, so yeah. It would be, yeah. it's probably purpose built for the FVM. And if it's built in, uh, I mean, that is like an explicit, explicit, explicit um, need for developers. And if it's like the easiest thing to do ever, uh, it'll just make, you know, fewer exploits uh, overall. And he's a specialist in, in fuzzing and, uh, and uh, automated analysis of various forms. So it would be really, really awesome for uh, him to make something for us. A lot so, of the tools are getting better for that. Like if you use Solhent, um, it'll tell you that you're mutating a state after something with a callback and, and things like that also. So maybe this is a good segue into talking about the Ronenberg attack. I think it is. Um, and whoever did topics, you missed that one, which is like the biggest thing happening in crypto. $600 million uh, was... $625 million. Yeah, I like, yeah, I like that it was so that. much money that you can just like drop off 25 million. We're just going to round yeah. down yeah. on that one. So, so Bloody. let me see if I've got this straight. So there are, there were, it was like a five of eight keys had to be had five in possession, nine. five of nine. And mm -hmm. somehow this attacker was able to obtain five private keys. Like Dude, four literally. of them were owned by the same guy. Dude, this yeah. was like, he didn't and, put them in his Evernote, did he? Like, what? <laughs> Sorry, that was an old uh, Ian Bellina joke. Keep going. 
<laughs> like, like six hundred some million, like protected by a five of nine, essentially multi sig, is bad enough. But like a lot of those wallets were just owned by the same people, which makes um, it a two of five, basically, probably. Yeah, and it's like, dude, really, really nutty, and like the. Their like defense system for this bre- bridge. Additionally, like this is a it, like most poorly thought out thing <laughs> ever. And it's like, why would why would a gaming company like you make like a Pokemon knockoff so that's somehow worth billions of dollars? I feel like they became so overconfident that they made billions on Pokemon Two uh, that they were able to uh, that they thought they could just make a bridge. They were like, oh, we're gods. We can make Pokemon 2. We can make a bridge. And then they just decided to roll it. And uh, now they're $600 million in the hole. Question for you guys. Is it? Am I correct in saying that the WBTC deal is secured by a similar multi-sig? Like all of it? By like a five of nine? Does anyone know? I mean, uh, that's the issue wasn't that it was a five of nine multi-sig. That could be fine. The it issue was that four of them were one guy, basically. Four operational security in lots of areas. I mean, they didn't even notice that the money was taken for six days. I <laughs> know. That's, that's, that's the best part. That. They, when, and like, that. so the my favorite conspiracy hearsay gossip, whatever about it, is that potentially if someone did this, whether it was the actual hacker or not, but somebody tried to short all the tokens after the exploit. Um, but then they got yeah. liquidated because nobody noticed that it had been exploited. So potentially Six the days. hacker tried to make more money and then failed because nobody noticed. So, I mean, it could have just been a, someone else who noticed it and could have been decided someone else. to. Yeah. Yeah. I like to think yeah, it was I mean, the possible liability. Uh, yeah. It was, it was like literally $600 million. Like all your key holders need to be schizophrenic. You know, that's uh-huh. like rule number one. You need to like have a schizophrenia test and ensure that they're at least 40 to 60 percent uh, schizo if they're going to have those keys. Uh, and they need to like be reading every OPSEC blog, period. Uh, like really, I don't know how this happens. Like, I really don't know how this happens. Like, even if you're not a security engineer, or even if you're, you don't study security, like all you need to do is like think. Like or, or hire someone who's kind of smart to think about it a while, and they will come up with some probably pretty good solutions uh, to make sure you don't get six hundred million dollars yoinked. Because this is like, this is like cryptographic primitives. Like this is software designed to be secure. Like you have all the tools at your disposal to make sure that you don't get all your money stolen. And people do it anyway. Uh, and like, all you need to do is take your time and like think. And, and, and I'd like to hear like going into production with this bridge, like what the weeks leading up to it were like. Like, was it just like marketing, like, we need to get this out. We need to enslave more Southeast Asians with our Pokemon game. Uh, and then like, oh, we need this right now. We need this right now. We need this right now. And then like, I, I like to think there's like maybe one guy or two guys like, hey, maybe we should think about hard about this. Uh, and they're like, no. Uh, they made this movie like, about like Chernobyl and the Challenger and lots of things, I think. 
Like that, that's often <laughs> that's what happens. Is people are like, like, I think this could maybe not be secure. And people are like, well, we got to get it out. And you're like, okay. And then it's so ridiculous. Are we seeing a new theme though? Like, you know, bridges are opening new vulnerabilities to crypto. I mean, didn't wormhole get hacked for a hundred million, like, you know, a couple, like a yeah. month ago or two months ago. <sighs> yeah. Like clearly the bridge. Oh, was it 300? Yeah. yeah so, so chump change. And, uh, you know, but we're, you know, we like either they need to slow down or we need to really focus on what's going on with security. I think the Biden Masons need to jump in on, on the bridge game. Well, Dude, I, don't, I feel like we're, I don't know I'm how to take your bridge. We're talking about two different <laughs> animals here, though, right? Like the wormhole animal and, and the Ronin hack are, were, they're not the same. Am I right? They're or not, wrong? They were not the same, but um, they were both security mistakes. It just, yeah. Like if you leave your keys outside your house versus like you leave your window open and somebody like steals your TV, your TV. The wormhole one was way harder. Like that's a way harder one to catch. That's like, um, you know, that's like a tiny little chink in the armor. Whereas the Ronin one was like the armor was actually just a T-shirt. You know, it was like it, uh, my my the thing that I find interesting about that though is it all it kind of and like this is the frustrating part about some of this is it almost doesn't matter if it was like a glaring yeah. security hole versus a small one the money still got taken so yeah. it is like it is a challenge because if you're a good guy everything has to be perfect if you're trying to hack or exploit something you just have to find the one mistake you um, need perfection or you need good enough design that uh perfection doesn't matter as much and then you need to try to be perfect anyway um and yeah, it is like, uh, I mean, I think people will probably get it now. The top three hacks, what, are all bridge hacks um, mm -hmm. right now in, in DeFi's history. And, like, bridge hacks are scary because the effects of them are, like, hard to understand. Uh, because, like, okay, someone's burning all of this supply or someone's, you know, getting rid of all of this ETH. What happens to the ETH that was kind of issued as a derivative from that ETH? Like, Jump Capital was really, really smart. Um, and they, like, re-collateralized the bridge uh, after the patch. Um, but what is uh, Axie doing? Like, yeah. They're trying to catch the person. I think that was their plan. That I heard, which, which they probably have a better chance of doing because it was like OG, like hacking a computer, so there's more forensic to find from that. I think this guy's so jammed up having that amount of money with all the eyes of crypto on him that this is a one instance where take the bounty, return the ETH, and go away. Like that sort of a deal, you know, if they offer him 10 million. And for anyone that's interested, 1.15 p.m. on Tuesday. Uh, me, Mike Kong, Simone will be on with the uh, the wormhole jump crypto team. So I'll ask them um, about the hack. We'll figure out what's going on. They're they're cool as shit. Yeah, and well, yeah, just... he deposited in uh, Binance and FTX. Like he he will be a lot, right? About, yeah, a large amount of money. It's not like he's gonna have to. Like obviously it's a large amount of money. That's always an issue. But the second you you deposit or you withdraw from a centralized exchange, but it's a matter of time for this guy. But like like I want to say you can have fake KYCs. It could be a random person, but that like you just don't see that usually with hacks this big. Like I I thought it was very careless, but so you use the lie hack. Or you just send it to rant like false flag transactions. Just start sending stuff to people who weren't part of it, and then you're like, oh. 
crazy. I got like $10,000. I'm going to do something with it or whatever. And that, that could also be what's going on. It doesn't necessarily mean that the recipient was involved, which is part of what makes all of this challenging. Good, good yeah, he's either dumb or he's like super sophisticated. <laughs> he's, like, uh, he's, he's like on one side of the bell curve right now. Uh, we we it, just which one he's on will will tell with time. We've kind of gotten to the point though with the forensic software where it's very difficult to hack these days. Any sizable amount of money because it is so uber traced like you look at the cripsy which was an exchange back in 2014 that had a hack that the theory is that the owner a guy named jed i believe is his name uh hacked it for 12,000 bitcoin but it literally moved like two days ago and it made massive news like this is eight years old and it's still being monitored so you know i kind of look at it as that that's ETH off the market, you know, like, I mean, I don't really know how it's going to move at this point. And, you know, kind of in the vein of exploits, we have to talk about another one that happened, um, which is unfortunately with, with Revest. And I want to get into kind of the way, well, I want you guys to help me get into the way that it went down and to, you know, get rid of some myths. So I was at um, a concert, actually, Garth Brooks concert. Great concert, dude. It's freaking amazing. And I was just leaving, like, in tons of traffic. And I got a text from Rob, hey, man, I need you to sign something on the multi-sig. Unfortunately, I was not there. Uh, but I, I got to it in about a half hour. And it, so there, there there were a few – it was their vault, correct, that uh, had somebody come in, exploit it. The good news is they were able to shut it down before any more damage was done. But it looks like about $2 million in other tokens were taken. Um They've since, as far as I know, they've patched the vulnerability and it had nothing to do with anything that was going on on Phantom is the good news because the the XLQDR um, FNFTs use a different vault, uh, vaulting system. Am I correct in that? Can somebody like fill in the gaps on my non-dev talk? I can. Um, okay. Yeah, so it was, at first I was saying it, it wasn't re-entrancy and everyone kept saying it was and then I thought about it and it was a form of re-entrancy because you ultimately did indirectly re-enter the same functions. Um, but it was the same, the thing that we were talking about earlier where uh, the state was updated after uh, minting the, the NFT. And that for most of the functions wasn't really a problem. Um, but if you kind of tied a bunch of the different contracts together, it was possible to uh, mint a token, deposit just two, or I'm sorry, mint an NFT and deposit two tokens in it then mint another one that had zero tokens in it, but had a, a huge quantity for the NFT because that's how ERC-1155 works. And then um, because the ID hadn't updated, you could uh, deposit additional funds into the first NFT, which would cause it to split using the same ID as the second minting, applying a value of one token with like 700 million quantity, or I'm sorry, 7 million quantity or whatever, which then let them withdraw the funds from the the vault, um, which is unfortunate. Uh, the good news is, like you were saying, that it wasn't all of the tokens because we were able to shut down. Um, we, we identified the way that they were doing the exploit and shut down some of the links between the contracts, uh, and then we're able to redeploy fixes for it. So the functionality is a little bit limited um, right now while they they work on some of the security stuff. But um, the good news is that not everything 
was taken. Uh, the bad news is that unfortunately, $2 million of tokens were. And like you were saying, it, this is their older vault uh, technology that they deployed on Ethereum. The new stuff that we've been working on with the smart wallets, which is what Liquid Driver uses, and some of the liquid staking um, that I've been working on, and I've seen implementations in a few other places. I think the paint swap uh, vaults will also use similar smart wallet technology. So um, that wasn't how, how the exploit happened. Um, and then even though there is still danger there, the, the good thing about that is it actually keeps all the tokens in their own contracts. So if you are able to exploit one, it's less likely that you'd be able to get to all of them. So I think uh, hopefully that was not too, too technical, but that's that's basically what happened. And then um, I've been working with them some to, to keep reviewing stuff, make sure that uh, things are secure going forward. Yeah, and just as somebody who, like, <clears throat> now I'm not in the developer talks necessarily with you guys, but I know how many connections Rob has in the background. I know how, how many eyes he's got on this project. Like, I'm uber bullish on the technology that they have, regardless of this little unfortunate hiccup that happened. Like, I'm a fan. And I think moving forward, now that this is patched and, you know, Dot your I's, cross your T's. I think I think Revest has a bright future, uh, and I hear they're going to make more of a presence on Phantom soon, which I'm happy about. And, and to, um, I was actually like the flip side. So I, I I going way back to our first topic. One of the things I actually did like in the AMA was uh, Mike Kong saying that the wrecked article was basically a hit job, mm. which is kind of was my takeaway when I first read it. The one about Phantom because I like read it. And I was like, this is just all like speculation and unsubstantiated. Rekt in, in the Revest, they wrote an article about Revest. I actually liked what they, they wrote there. They, you know, they, it was an exploit, but they did sort of give Revest credit for acting quickly and being able to shut down uh, parts of the, the protocol that were still vulnerable so that not all the funds were taken and, and you know, <clears throat> the right steps moving forward. So there's, unfortunately, exploits have happened on lots of protocols and many of them have gone on to be successful. So hopefully that's the case for Revest too. And yeah. thank you for watching the AMA double sharp. Unlike some other people on this call right now who didn't, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna say who it is, but <laughs> absolutely Beavis. All right, go ahead, Clay. <laughs> no, I was just gonna say, I, I mean, you know, the hack is is unfortunate and it's you know it's terrible, but I, I was I was really impressed with how the Revest team sprung into action. I was, you know, was, a number of us were part of the, sort of the emergency unit as that happened and. You know, they had to shut down trading for a bit and the community actually was giving a lot of flack about that. But the reality is that happened to save $4 million worth of RBST tokens. Mm -hmm. This could have been a heck of a lot worse. And so all of the actions that were done were done in good measure and, and with the right reasons. Um, and honestly, you know, we, I think we all know Rob and I don't, I don't know anybody who, who cares as much as Rob and is as upset about this as he is. Um, and I think moving forward, everything will be completely, you know, buttoned up to the T and I just have a lot of, I've got a lot of confidence in their future, but um, the response, you know, the 17 page postmortem that was written, that was written with a lot of passion and, and a serious commitment to the community. Mm -hmm. And so I think that, you know, you have to give credit for, for the response. Um, and obviously, you know, and, and, you know, we'll figure out ways that this stuff doesn't happen moving forward, but I was impressed with a lot of that stuff. Yeah. Mistakes happen, hacks happen. It's just how you kind of react to it. You saw how, they stopped everything. You saw how Deus did the exact same thing. They halted uh, their protocol. It's those moments that really show 
what a protocol is about. And I, I always mention this because I don't know, I haven't been around too many, too many of these situations, but most of the time you buy the hack, like, especially if it's a good protocol, it always bounces back. Only the only, I hate to, I'm not trying to shit on them by saying this. The only time that wasn't the case um, with Grim, they didn't like halt everything. People lost, I think an additional three, 4 million. So just to see the kind of reverse side of, you know, protecting the users, even even when they still want to use the platform, it's 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 the right thing to do always. So, um, I'm I'm proud of how uh, Robert kind of reacted in, in face of all this stuff. So, I think it's awesome. We call him Roberto around here. Um, hey, question for you guys. So, is this something that an auditor would have caught? And is this was this Solidity? It, it was audited. <laughs> By solidity, and they did not catch it. They did offer to do a free second audit. Oh, well, uh, thank. Oh, that makes up for it. It's like a coupon. Here's a coupon. Buy, buy one, get one free. Next time you come in. Yeah, that's, that is something. <laughs> that's that's audit. They are, uh, Revest is, uh, well, they, they reached out to a ton of audit companies to have additional audits done. Uh, Trail of Bits and Open Zeppelin, and some of the big ones are like, unfortunately, either not accepting new clients or booked up for like years. So, there's some other audit yeah. firms I know that they're talking to. They've sort of like, they picked the ones that they really wanted and they're sort of, you know, prioritized them and are working down the list to get some um, additional audits on it. And then I'm going to try and do some code review uh, too. You know, I can't promise a full audit, but um, it, it this was an unfortunate case where the code, it wasn't just Revest looking at it. It had been audited as we've, Found some audits are not always as good as others, unfortunately. So they're they are going to try and get um, additional audits on it and all the new code that they're working on too. For anyone that doesn't get the intern comment, uh, that was Solidity Finance's uh, response to Grim saying they were slammed with work. They put an intern or some shit on the no, they were on, on the. They were on vacation. Yeah. Whoopsies. Sorry. I had my dog look at your code and stamp it, you know? Like, fuck <laughs> that me, bugs man. me, man. That's all. Oh, I mean, it, after, after that, that's it for them in, in my eyes that they would even release a statement such as that was just shit. From what I understand, the, people use them for like a cheap audit just to have the badge, like. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like Which, you audit your own project, you kind of, you know what I mean? But when bite masons, uh, oh, sorry, J. Task. Like, you're, you're like, I don't necessarily like. There's different ways of looking at it too. Like they are obviously kind of a budget audit that you can get that is maybe more for marketing. I don't necessarily know, like using Rebest for example. I don't know that like Rob knew that that was, uh, like a low quality audit when you signed up for. It. You're just like looking around and you're like, oh, like I want to get my code audited. And like, here's something that seems affordable. And like, they were, they wrote back to me and like, they looked at my code and they said it was good. And like, this was also in the past. I think I'm, I actually am positive that Rob's opinion on Solidity audits are much different now than they were previously. But I think over time, you sort of do see the quality of things shake out. And unfortunately, their, their audits do seem to be more of a rubber stamp. Most audits, yeah. to be honest. And be uh, Sorry. I think I froze up there for a second. Everyone's head went bink like that, just stayed there. But being an auditing company, it's your, I mean, the, the magnitude of what your job actually is, is massive. Like it's not something where mistakes can be made. It's almost one of those things where the only option is perfection to a degree. 
and that's yeah. partly why I don't want to, I don't want to like officially audit things. Cause I would then feel responsible for anything that yeah. I missed. And I, I feel like I don't have the time to go through like the full methodology, but it's like, it's also super frustrating that I have that opinion because like, I care about people that I would be auditing and then solidity is just like, oops, sorry. And I'm like, come on guys. Like people were trusting that you were like making things secure. It's disappointing. Did you guys see that Ola Finance also got uh, hit on what chain was it? Rune? No, not Rune. Rune's a token. What chain was it on? Shit. Does anyone Do know? Think- it wasn't on. It wasn't on Phantom. Hold on. I'm just gonna have to look it up now. Uh, I, I didn't. I I don't know if it wasn't. On, I saw them on everything. Ola Finance. Yeah, they even have like Spirit Swap lending. They have Fuse lending. They have Binance. I think. Yeah, oh, it, it happened on Fuse. Sorry, those four-letter yeah. words I just can't handle. So it looks like it's something that happened on Volt Finance Lending Platform uh, that had to do with, I guess they're integrated with Ola. I don't know. wasn't on Phantom, but there's just exploits like all over the yeah. damn place these days. Yep. So, uh, yeah, let's move hey, on. Or right, go ahead. I was going to say one other thing know. that I found super dangerous, like during this I mean, this was real time. Like, it's like one in the morning. This is all going on. And there's all these Twitter accounts out there that track hacks and then report them out, right? But you're literally, you're doing that in real time in an ongoing hack. And one of them actually highlighted these sets of tokens in this vault have not been exploited. Oh. And then um, immediately that triggered this person, whoever it is, to go after that. And literally 70 seconds was the difference between signing that multi-sig agreement to save those tokens and not. And if that hadn't been put out there, like it's just so, it's so, it's just, it's kind of like it's negligent, honestly, in a way to do that in during a hack. I mean, I'm all about community transparency and letting people know what's going on in real time, but like, got to be careful with the way that you uh, you put that information out there. Not transparent in real time about this stuff. That it was Peck Shield, and that was also very disappointing that they were publishing which tokens were still vulnerable. Then they took that down and made a blog post that said they deleted the first one because it had mentioned tokens that were still vulnerable. And then I told them to delete that, which they did an hour later. That was just super irresponsible. Like, that's my not... Peck Shield audit was worse than my uh, Solidity Finance audit. <laughs> <laughs> Believe it or All not. Right. <laughs> All right. All right. Nice. Should we talk anyway. about something else? Yeah. <laughs> okay. All right. Uh, next topic, since Ben threw it up there. Solidly thoughts. Are we still poor? Uh, yes. Have I have I still lost all of my money? So uh, here's, you know, all right. Taking token price out of it. Lafayette and Roosh are like on one pushing for uh, solidly to become an actual real platform. And Lafayette is leading this charge right now. And honestly, like I said, I don't know if it was last week or the week before, but like if you're a bag holder and you're looking now, I don't, you know, not to put this out there too hard, but if you're a bag holder looking for an exit, all you really need is a narrative shift to be able to do that, you know? But um, I look at like Roosh who has locked up, Oh my God, I don't know how many, 20, 30 million solid tokens in four year VE NFTs because, and and I saw this broken down from LAFA, like that's kind of going to be where the money is because the bribes and incentives are going to equate to something like 70% APR per year or something ridiculous like that. Now, 85. 
85, whatever. I, I'm still hugely skeptical because the amount of volume needed to pump through that exchange with a 0.01% uh, transaction fee, right? 20 times less than, than uh, Spooky is massive. It's yep. massive to make those those fees worth it at all. Yeah, I saw a funny tweet. Like someone was like, "Yeah, if we get thirty billion dollars of volume a day, which is come on, like Phantom has six billion TVL." But anyways, if we get that amount, we'll get a hundred dollars on ten thousand every day. And I'm just like, dude, you shouldn't be tweeting stuff like that. Like Deus. They're killing it. They're buying um, they other NFTs. They're doing the right things. They're they're out there. But um, some people, okay, I, I like Roosh. I like Lafayette. They're doing the, like they're doing everything right. But some of the Moon Boys on Twitter, it's like, like get your head out of your ass. I hate to be rude, but like, <laughs> Tell like, what them, are dude. you talking about? Like <laughs> the volume on Solidly uh, is like forty five million, and that's up eighty percent. Right, so for you to say it'll go to thirty billion dollars, when when the entire market cap of Phantom is certain, like billion, like come on, just use I your mean, brain here. It might turns me off. These are they well, are four year locks, so maybe these it's just like very strong conviction that in a not like near term, but the the volume will get to that point at some. Point. Yeah, no, I that's a good prediction. I, I agree. Like for Deus to say that in the long term, I agree. But some of the I don't know. It's just like uh, I believe I'm still back holding as well, just like everyone else. But like, bring it back a little bit. Like short term goals, you know. Like I don't know. I'm 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 bullish, but the the tweets I see on my timeline they just turn me off. Here's the issue I kind of have with this. Um, not with with uh, Deus or or Lafayette or anybody, but with the narrative being. And, and here's how it's been thrown around. And it's the same issue I've had kind of with like tomb also is that you're putting this narrative out. All right. $5 trillion per day, Forex market. And people start thinking to themselves, Oh, 60, 60 billions easy. Well, you need to asterisk that shit and say that all of these people are well rooted in how they trade Forex. And you're really, what you're really trying to do is get the crypto guys to start wanting to trade the Euro USD pair or the, the pound pair. Right. So there needs to be like a little bit more additional information given to the the new people. And the reason I reference Tomb is because the peg, right? There needs to be more information given to new people in saying that, okay, but it is something that has to be supported. It's not a, you know, it's not a guarantee. It's not your kid's college fund. So anyhow, uh, I am I am like at this moment in time with how I know that narratives drive the crypto market, I am cautiously bullish on uh solidly in the short term and seeing what transpires of it and i will tell you that lafayette's a very 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 smart dude um as referenced by you know the things that he's launched so if if there's anyone like around the community who i'm glad to see leading the charge it's him and roosh uh is also bankrolling some shit so and I love Roosh. He's the he's a fucking man. He's gonna put a video of this in King's group as soon as we're done. I know yeah, he's gonna yeah. do it. I'm just saying it so that way it's it's referenced when he does it. So um all right, let's keep I it going. I wouldn't bet against those guys for real. Like no, I look at either. the alts on Phantom. You can see recently, obviously Deus obviously been doing really well, but recently even solid is coming back up. So I, I'm all for it. It's it's definitely 
plausible, but short term, thirty billion in a month, I'm I'm not sure about that. Yeah. Well, we'll yeah. see where it goes. We'll see where it goes. Along those same lines, though, and a project that does not get enough love is Unidex. And so uh, for anyone that doesn't know Unidex, they were actually so my very first AMA was with uh, Beavis, who I think he has a different haircut and a beard now, but basically the same guy. Uh, and uh, my second one was with the Stake Stake team. My third one was with Krenal, who is the founder of Unidex. And this is way, way, way back. And what we were talking about on that one was, you know, they're still the only platform that has aggregated limit orders. If you want to put a limit order in and have it shot through an aggregator, they're the ones to use. But they are uh, launching Unidex launches. Who, who did this topic? They've been launched for a long time. But what they are bringing is a leverage trading platform. I think he means uh, the, yeah, the perps that are coming out. Yeah. Yes. Uh, leverage trading. I've been I've been playing around with like the the testnet version. I shorted uh, ADA the other day. It was one of the greatest moments of my life. Like like my daughter being born and uh, shorting Cardano. Those are like the two <laughs> greatest moments of my life that I've ever had. And uh, but but this is a real real platform, and they have done some really really cool shit. I am super bullish on Unidex right now. I don't own any Unidex tokens. I probably should. Uh, but just cr knowing Cronal, I've known him for, you know, coming up on a year now, like he's a super smart dude, um, very entrenched in the ecosystem. And I think they're going to be the only like real long and short leverage trading platform that we have. Right. Well, I'll be able to long and short, like phantom ecosystem tokens. So eventually, yes. Um, right now it's mainly, uh, blue chips and it's the way that they've done it is they've set up liquidity pools, right? So they've got a phantom liquidity pool and a USDC liquidity pool. And that's essentially where you're pulling your profit or your losses are going into is basically the way that it works. And, you know, he very conservatively when I, on the interview that I did with him said something like 66% of traders lose, but we know how, what percentage of traders lose. Somebody tell me right now, somebody knows 100%. It's like 95%. It's like 95. One of it, it, being in this business is one of the most profitable businesses to be in. If you have this sort of a platform, right? And so you're essentially trading synthetics similar to Deus. Um, like Solana and you can train Doge and you can train Phantom and whatever else. Beavis can trade USDC. And, um, but it, it's a really, really unique way of single-sided liquidity provision, which you can do in their pools, which is probably going to have a fat ass APR attached to it. And you can go 50X like today, you know, I, if, if this were launched, actually, I think it's launching today, uh, I would not hesitate to put in a leverage trade on on Phantom BTC right now, just because it's, you know, the R&R &R is nice. So anyhow, there's that. Yeah. Uh, all it's reliable. Guys. I'm sure everyone's going to flock to it. People don't like KYC. Um, but the thing is with perps, um, I've heard this, like, why people stick to FTX and Binance versus, like, a MEXC, you know. Like, if you want to do positions with size and, you know, you're trying to leverage it, it's it's a lot of liquidity for something that, like, any protocol, CEX, DEX, whatever, to handle. So if this is reliable, it's a it's a game changer. You don't want to have to bridge or not bridge, uh, send your money to, to Binance or FTX. You can just kind of... Hey man, I'm not feeling this token right now. Or like 
you saw with the with Axie and Ronan. Um, as soon as the news came out, it's like a kind of tons of shorts popped up. It's a little bit of a no brainer. So, yeah. So uh, in regards to the liquidity, Ben J, uh, he, I asked him off camera how much they were going to supply, and it it's roughly a quarter million that they're going to start with liquidity, which is actually a shitload when you consider um, you know how much leverage that can actually handle. So I mean, you could take the amount that they're putting in liquidity and basically go 40x on it, and that's how big of an order they can handle right out the gate. Uh, so yeah, but what happens if traders uh, keep making money? And it's gone. It's gone, baby. They're just gonna <laughs> suck it right out. But over time, you know, history has proven for many, no. many, 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 many years with leverage trading that the house wins, uh, and that's you know pretty much it. So, I mean, it would be a risk I would be willing to take in single-sided liquidity provision, just parking some phantom in there for a few months. I would not be against that personally. Hmm. All right, to move well, on. I wonder if there's a way you could encourage people to. Uh open up like uh like polarized positions where like every time a guy goes long you can you find a guy to go short or something like well, that. yeah it's market and making that that's, that's what most of them do like most of your forex brokers that do not send your trade through to the actual market because the market deals in size and most of these guys are dealing on 400x you know leverage with pennies and so they're just taking the opposite trade is essentially what they're doing. And mm -hmm. that's kind of what's happening with these liquidity pools as well, is they're betting on you losing most nice. of the time. So, uh, okay. Alchemix, Clay, Threader. Yes, sure. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, uh, like super, super exciting, right? So I, I spent some time and read through the Alchemix proposal, um, wrote a little thread about it. And there was a, a few things that jumped out at me that are pretty awesome, particularly on the phantom side, right? So, you know, just the overall narrative, right? Um, you know, Ethereum giants are coming to phantom. It's just a good sign in general. We're seeing it all over the place. Um, you know, so stop the FUD. There's obviously a ton of demand to be here. But what really stood out to me was sort of these like nine or the eight or nine reasons they listed why they were coming, right? So, uh, and I, I wrote them down. So number one is the most robust DeFi ecosystem. Uh, it had every primitive Alchemix need. So uh, Univut V2 forks, Balancer AMMs, Curve, Curve forks, Lending protocols, and Yearn, right? So people knock Phantom for being a, a DeFi-specific protocol or uh, blockchain, excuse me. Like, you know, uh, sorry, but that's that's going to play a lot of benefit in the long run. And, and you know, GameFi and NFTs are coming as well. So, like, that's I think it's, a, it's, it's huge. So significant TVL, which we all know. Uh, depth of DeFi, so more partnerships that they can enable. And so I'll talk about that in a second, but there's some super interesting stuff there. Uh, cheap gas, I think we all know that. Um, but what that really means for, for users is that you can onboard with and, and nearly instantly recapture uh, sort of your, your fees to get in, right? Whereas Ethereum, you have gas transactions that are expensive and it takes a while to recapture that. It's, it's instantaneous. Um, neg negligible operating expenses because of the, the cheap nature of Phantom, uh, and they can harvest rewards more often. So those are nine pretty awesome why Phantom, you know, yeah. reasons basically. Uh, but what I what I really like what I wanted to write an additional thread about, and I haven't, is um, they have pretty much sort of unlimited sort of liquidity with the way that they've set this thing up, and seven hundred uh, million TVL coming from Ethereum to side chains, right? So they really only need like 
one or two major marketplaces for GALCX in side chains. So first mover advantage, what does that mean for us, right? What does that mean for Phantom? So first mover advantage, um, one of those main liquidity hubs is going to be Phantom, which means our DEXs are going to see more volume. Um, you know, it's just bringing organic growth from a new massive, you know, player in the ecosystem uh, onto Phantom. So, um, and I will actually read. So Beethoven, Spirit Swap, and Spooky are the first to be uh, activated with liquidity pools. But this is actually from the proposal. It says between GALCX rewards and its auto combine, excuse me, this is specific to Beethoven. Uh, Beats rewards and the additional USDC yield, we expect this pool to, to reach mid eight figures, uh, which would be which uh, which would enable a large user base on Phantom and serves as a major liquidity hub in the multi-chain ecosystem. So what does that actually mean, right? Like Beethoven will be an AlUSD liquidity hub for their entire ecosystem across chains. So we're, we're, we're bringing a ton of dollars here and, and becoming liquidity hubs on Phantom. So there's so many things to be excited about on that. Um, I just think it's just hugely bullish for our DEXs and it really kind of proves where we are as an ecosystem. Clay, how many times have we been hearing that from big projects? Um, Alchemist is saying it now, Yearn when they launched in October. Basically, you know, Phantom has the infrastructure for safe operation of their protocols, whether it's NOS is safe, whether it's the liquidity explorers, lenders. Um, and it's a constant thing that we're hearing from projects now that, yeah, you know what? We want to launch on Phantom because it has everything we need to successfully run our projects. So it's awesome to hear this from from big projects, and, and you know, you feel the buzz a little bit with with stuff like this. I think people are not really kind of taking in how big of a deal it is with Alchemix, Alphamora, all these different great projects coming onto Phantom because they think it's it's ready for them now. Mm-hmm. That's right. We've matured a little bit since you know, even three months ago. I mean, we've Since got Waka days, you know. Waka, Waka is Kaka. Okay, let's keep this going. So we we've run into some issues um, with governance proposals. I don't think I'm the only one that's noticed this. I think everyone's pretty much noticed this, and their quorum was like at ninety five percent or something stupid, right? Like it was hard to get people to vote. I mean we don't get 95% of votes for people voting for the president. And that's kind of like once every four years. So, well, it's, that's not exactly how voting works though. Like you just need, you need 90% of, of like 40 validators to vote. Like the, the validate. So the way that it works is the validators get when they, so if you have a self stake of a hundred dollars and then you have delegated stake of $300, then you actually get to vote with the full $400, but those $300 delegate delegators can choose to override your vote. So you've delegated your voting power to the validator. And then, so previously to get 90% uh, quorum, you just needed 90% of the validators to vote. And that would have, that would do it. The, the issue though, is that or I mean, I don't know if this is the issue and why it was lowered, but if you think about it to some extent that over time, validators are not incentivized to vote for lowering the threshold to run a validator because mm. that that's not voting in their interest. So by lowering the, the consensus uh, for quorum, then you let you make it more likely that that delegators can go in and actually vote on things. So that's that's I think what would that's the part that you're talking about that isn't happening is that delegators aren't voting. They're just defaulting to whatever the validator does. So it, we re- 
we could get the votes if it was something that was voting in favor of what the validators want, but because lowering may not be in favor of that, it's essentially allowing competition, but it's, you know, we have to have it. Yeah. That's why you're saying we may not be getting the votes, correct? That That's my guess. And I think, I mean, to, you weren't entirely wrong though. Like it is, you know, much like a lot of elections, it's hard to get people to actually turn out and vote. And so if people aren't aware of it or they don't, they aren't familiar with how the governance works, then they may not, they don't, a lot of people may not know that their delegated stakes can vote or that they can override um, the vote. Right now, I mean, honestly, the the interface for voting is a little bit clunky and it's kind of hard to tell totally what's going on. You have to do it through the F wallet, I think. Um, so, you know, it's, it is something that I don't know what the right, the right way to get more people to vote necessarily is, but I think like the flip side of that is you just lower the, the requirements for the number of votes you need to, to get things to pass. And then you're more likely to have delegators overriding a validator vote to, to reduce the, the stake so that you have more validators, more decentralization. Okay. So double sure, you, just sir. so I'm clear, is it the delegators not voting or validators not voting? Validators. Um, I mean, it, it depends. So it kind of depends on the situation you're talking about. Previously, you needed 90% uh, voting with some, I don't know what, what the like threshold of approval was, but like you needed like very high thresholds of like voting and approval for the, the proposal to pass to lower the, the requirements. Um, and so if you just like lower the number of votes that you need and the number of um, people in agreement for an, a, uh, a proposal to pass, then it makes it more likely that it can get passed. So you don't need 90% of people agreeing, you need 66% of people agreeing. Yeah. Uh, gotcha. That makes it a lot easier. Which yep. is, I mean, to talk about the other thing that I've been working on, that is with liquid staking, one of the things that I was thinking about with a lot of the liquid staking protocols, because you're delegating through them, like you're basically handing over your FTM to someone else, they're giving you an ERC-20 token, and then they're making a, in some cases, self-stake slash delegated stake on your behalf. That means that they control all of those delegated votes. So for everyone who's giving them uh, FTM, they now, if they delegate it, they control that voting power because none of the people who handed over their FTM can vote through the ERC-20 token. So that's like, I, I'm not sure if I like, like the more I thought about that, the less happy I was with that sort of setup because it does take away from decentralization in the governance sense. And so that was what the li liquid staking stuff that I've been working on. That was something that I did want to preserve was making sure that even if it's not necessarily the person who made the first stake, you could still like trade it around, but that you're not consolidating all of the voting powers with a few protocols, because then you end up with the same thing I was talking about earlier. If you have a validator and people have given you money for your self stake and money for your delegated stake, you have no incentive to vote against yourself uh, for things that may not be, you know, an advantage for validators. If it takes any advantage away from a validator, why would you vote for it? And if you control all this, all the votes, then that sort of stuff isn't going to pass. So by keeping it more decentralized, you can, you know, it's it's not just uh, the stakes; it's also the governance um, that sort of plays into all of it. Yeah, very interesting. I hope we get I hope we get some correction going on that. Moving on, we have a very important topic we need to address. Um, so the European Union voted in a essentially a de facto ban on self-hosted wallets. And essentially what that means is this. 
Uh, I don't think anyone here is in the EU, but if you are in the EU, and uh, now it hasn't passed the whole way yet, right? But that was the reason for the big red dildo this morning when we were going up and then boom, we went down. Uh, is because if you are sending or receiving money to or from a self-hosted wallet and the the amount is over $1,000, it said $1,000 in, uh, in the article, but I would imagine they mean 1,000 euros. Uh, so they're saying they have to now report that to the government. And this is going to stifle innovation in a really, really big way for the EU. It's going to make a whole lot of things pretty much unworkable. And the way that I see this is in the same way that I see a central bank digital currency, which is the old boys club closing in the surveillance state on uh, something that up until this point hasn't been terribly controllable. What are y'all's thoughts on this? I mean, I don't think that anyone's really been successful in banning crypto yet. Uh, I think it would just, I, I actually, I'm dubious that this will actually end up passing because it isn't enforceable. And that, I mean, again, like I'm not in the EU and I don't totally know how their laws work, but in the US at least, like you, even if you have a law that's not enforceable, then it's not like, there's no real point. It's just sort of a waste of time. And I think that's sort of what this is because like, how are you going to, like you can't find out that people have self-hosted wallets to make them illegal. Like you could maybe see them, but you don't know who they are necessarily. With like a minimal amount of security, you would be able to obscure that. So it's it becomes somewhat unenforceable in my opinion. Yeah, that was kind of the, the feeling that I got as well. I think really where the biggest burden comes in is not even on the people, but uh, the exchanges like Coinbase, yeah. for example. You know, Brian Armstrong put out a, a tweet that said, hey, guys, Anyone that receives more than a thousand dollars from a self-hosted wallet, if this goes through, we have to report you to the government, like yeah. whether it's suspicious or not. And that just makes me sick. It makes me yeah. as sick as thinking about a digital dollar, which there is one reason and one reason only, and that is the 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 way for normal people to maintain sovereignty and freedom is through financial means. And if they come in and they take away those financial means, they have taken away your sovereignty and your freedom. And anytime you see the acronym CBDC, just know that it's one of those. That's all it is. They're bending you over and trying to take your freedom. Period. And the burden's on Coinbase, right? So they would have to collect, store, and verify all the personal info of the receiver wallet who's not even their customer. Like, that's nuts. The sending yeah. wallet. Yeah. Well, no, no, the receiver too. It's the receiver. receiver too. Oh, it's both. So, like, that's why I was saying I don't see this as being enforceable because, like, if Coinbase says we have to do this, like, my follow up would be like, how are you going to do that? Because I don't know how to do that. Like, they're just going to have. I mean, I'm sure they would just save a ton of logs or something, but it's not. Like, yeah. I don't. They don't have a way of actually doing this, so I don't know yeah. what the point would be. What's the scalability of actually enforcing something like that? Right. I mean. It's, it's such a tradfi narrative. Like I, I didn't know this. My friend works at uh, like JP Morgan. Every transaction over $5,000, they actually send to an audit and forensics team, right? There's a, there's a whole floor of people that look at transactions over $5,000. Like it's such big brother stuff. And obviously that's what we're trying to get away from in this ecosystem. So uh, it's just, yeah, it's, it may be FUD, but it's, it's terrible overall. If that happens. is what it is, man. 
is what it is. Hey, uh, and this is a good time to tell you uh, to don't be afraid to take profits when we go in a bull market. Please pay your bills and take care of your children before uh, before watching it go all the way up and all the way down because somebody got a law through that scares a bunch of people. Like, <laughs> do that. Take care of your, your kids. If you have life-changing money, take some of that shit home. Don't be stupid. No, no. Speaking of, uh, and, and this is like one of the most bullish things I could say to anyone about Phantom right now in this moment is that all the major uh, all the major platforms, Spirit Swap, Spooky Swap, Scream, Liquid Driver, and uh, uh, Creditum Revenant are coming out with just new iterations of their platform, and not just new iterations. From what I've gathered the best of the best coming together and they're all trying to remain competitive in a market that has gotten highly, highly competitive. And I've, I've played around with spirit swap V2. It's excellent. I have seen some, uh, some, what have I seen? How do I put this delicately? I've seen some information leaks uh, about spooky swap V2 from people that can't keep the damn mouth shut. Uh, <laughs> Scream V2 is supposed to be super dope. That should roll out over a number of month, months. I would say uh, from an innovation standpoint, Dr. Liquid is killing it. Uh, and this dude is not just like releasing a new iteration. He's got like plans for yep. the future. And then of course, we've got our boys over at the Revenant team uh, releasing Singularity soon. I don't know. My nipples are a little bit hard talking about it. How, how, <laughs> where are you guys at with all this? I'm so excited. Like, let's just be honest. Um, you've seen Please. projects. They don't have to do this. Like, you've seen projects just sit on their hands. Like, yeah, I've developed. I'm good. I have my my ecosystem. Um, oh, yeah. Before I go into that, Justin, bro, you got to give us some alpha. What's going on V2 Reaper Farm? Is that is oh. that a thing? Is that actually a thing or uh i don't know maybe <laughs> <laughs> what i would like is to go to the reaper farm website and have a little guy come up and just say you're a good guy you're worth it austin i hope you have a beautiful day and then take me to my crypts that's how you know yeah. just some some emotional reinforcement i know you talk <laughs> or not it, but um funneling profits into different tokens would be awesome to like phantom and usdc just different strategies but i i don't know how that would work <laughs> So you're not yeah, going to talk I mean, about it, right, Beavis? Or are you? You know, we're, yeah, we are doing a lot of research and we're, you know, where it goes is where it will go. Uh, I think we're just, you know, uh, there are plenty of things that we can brand as Reaper V2 that we're working on. I just don't know if it would be like a true V2. Uh, it would be more like, uh, you know, there are no breaking changes. It would be just like abstractions on top of what we're already doing. So, uh, yeah, I the API will be the same and the stuff going on underneath will be the same. So, yeah, I, I don't know if we're, we're going to be making any like major breaking changes, though. Dude, somebody get him. I was going to say, bring that Celsius quick. Or like some cocaine or something. Like, somebody wake <laughs> Beavis up, man. We, I we know. haven't gotten spicy yet today, bro. Like, <laughs> what's going on? All right, all right. We got some I'm shit cold. to talk about. We got some stuff going on. The new topic is kind of spicy and it needs to be addressed. And the new incentives program uh, that just happened, which, all right, so there's two camps here. Um, so essentially what has happened, maybe somebody can correct me on this. I only read it briefly, but like they're they're transitioning the incentives program away from TVL based over to Gitcoin and they're going to do a matching program and it's got to be voted on by the community who gets it. Have I, am I right so far? Yeah. So. yeah. 
Okay. And so on the one hand, that's really pretty good for new projects coming in because it gives them a shot. Um, you know, like like I, I think of SoulSwap as a project that hasn't gained a ton of TVL, but has a very, very dedicated community. Um, and on the other hand, you've got uh, the big boys, the native projects that are the ones that are driving this network right now. Um, who they're definitely going to get voted in. Like, there's no question that like Liquid Driver and Spooky and Reaper and all these guys are going to get the necessary votes, right? It's obvious. But there's going to be a little bit of a lag time from what I'm understanding yeah. between uh, when it happens and now. And so, you know, I was chatting with, with Dr. Liquid this morning and the scenario that I would like to see play out, in all honesty, is I would like to see the top 20 or top 10 or whoever it is band together and see if, okay, we can pivot in this direction. And at the same time, we can continue to take care of the guys that are take care, taking care of us, you know, and maybe we can get the best of both worlds here. I do, uh, my personal feeling is they went about it in a bit of a cronier sort of way in that they should have told people this was coming before just, they should have privately told the big projects that this was coming prior to releasing it. That's my feeling. Yeah. Thoughts? So I don't, I don't really know what the changes are. Like I saw like some uh, things like, do do they want us making games now or something? Oh, no. games. You just woke up. You, you missed this yeah. part. Yeah. They, they pivoted the entire incentives program. It's and, now on, now is a Gitcoin grant program where they will be matching something like 1.5 million per month. I think is what it was. Got to be, yeah. yeah. The um, the you know, talking about GameFi, like the game. The, I'm as far as I'm aware, zero GameFi incentives have been sent out because the the requirements were that you had thirty thousand monthly active users before you got any, and that's just basically impossible uh, to get on Phantom right now. So, but not just for GameFi, for any like small, like if you have a cool idea and you're you don't have the TVL yet, then you wouldn't have qualified for any incentives. You don't get any grants. Like you have to like get to the, the TBL before you actually qualified for anything, which like in theory incentivizes people to like push to get there. But the reality is that it just means that if you don't already have the funds to be able to like do the project to get to the point where you have the TBL, then you might just give up and never do it. Um, and then, you know, using, I was, don't know if this is like specifically applicable to, to SoulSwap, but any sort of smaller, uh, protocol that doesn't want to just like YOLO their way to like huge numbers of TBL and wants to be safe and value security is getting penalized for not like, you know, just pushing something out and getting people to throw money into it. If they like cut a cap on it or went a little bit slower, then you wouldn't have gotten the incentives. And that isn't really like you're sort of incentivizing some of the wrong things. So I don't know. I don't know if the I, I don't know who was talked to or what, but like communication is always really important in making changes like this. And I could see how it would negatively impact larger protocols who may have been expecting incentives to keep doing stuff. But then on the flip side, there's, you know, a bunch of smaller projects, whether it's GameFi, DeFi, NFTs, whatever, that like just weren't qualifying at all. So all the money was really consolidated towards the top end already. I see this as a, a more democratized way of doing it, which I'm completely in favor of because Spartacus getting incentives, like, are we just at the point to where that we can say that's a horseshit 
play and the dude's been jerking off for months. Okay. I, I just said that. So you can <laughs> snip that, put it on Twitter and come after me if you want to, but there it is. Um, Weren't those the people that were like getting really mad at you, Austin? Yeah, yeah, yeah. They got really, really mad at me because the same guy had five accounts on a multi-sig yep. and I said, be careful. And they fucking yep. got mad. Anyhow, but that guy should never have gotten uh, incentives. Uh, basically, what was happening is he's got a big treasury. He's getting incentives and, you know, they tracked some transactions and they were just being straight up sold on Binance and the dude was just taking the money. So... But that's a waste of it's a waste of the incentive program. So in this way, I guess what the hope is, is that the community will step forward and, in fact, vote for the most worthy projects. I love that. The gap here is the big boys that have been supporting the whole time. Uh, there, there might be a little gap there and that I feel that that should be accommodated for. But I'm not on the foundation end and I'm not on the project end. I'm just kind of watching along. So hopefully something comes of it. So Austin, qu question on the on like the actual user participation. Like, is this anybody who holds Phantom has the opportunity to vote for this? Like, that was, that was kind of the cryptic part that I I couldn't connect the dots. Like, don't what is no? Yeah, I don't know. But there, but so this is how Gitcoin operates. So I'm I've never done anything with Gitcoin. In fact, I saw that that Zach XBT put up a, a Gitcoin deal and was able to raise some funds there. So like, um, I'm assuming seeing as this is their their business model, there is some form of checks and balances that goes on with this uh, to prevent, like, you know, gaming the system. I see, I see 24 smiling. He must be in the Citadel right now, shit talking or something. <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> I, just, just, I read a message from Purple. He made me laugh. <laughs> He's the man. Uh, so I'm assuming there's some form of checks and balances. And um, so I'm interested to see, like, how it works in actual practice. I'm only going on very, very limited information right now. Yeah, they yeah. said they'll expand on it. Um, it's not the clearest, but the intentions seem good um, because, yeah. yeah, like you said, Spartacus, whatever, you know, they're kind of, kind of, kind of finessing the system a little bit. But you know, it's a part of the game. Yeah, I mean, I think the the pros of the whole thing, just like on the positive side of, of what I pulled out, was it's you know now now it supports NFTs. It, supports gaming, like all facets of, of Phantom. And, and the big knock from the community is it's DeFi, DeFi, DeFi only. Well, now we're going to be able to change that, right? So that, a lot of diversification, that's awesome. Um, the user voting community involvement is awesome. Uh, it's $335 million program, by the way. It went from $100 million to $335 million. So that's, that's What do you mean it went from $100 million? Uh, I believe it was that's like $370 million. $370 million Phantom yeah. to start, homie. So it's they basically just shifted the the, the oh, I'm sorry, yeah, yeah, sorry. They they distributed like to a hundred applications, thirty five million dollars. Apologies. Bingo, bingo. No, um, I'm sorry. Right. Uh, but yeah, so you know, the one thing I will say though is like to your point, Austin. Like there are huge projects right now that have been hiring aggressively, and you know what people don't realize about all these projects is like this is a business and they have a P and L, and like not getting these incentives on a monthly basis is so, somewhat of a, a rug pull towards you know, operating costs. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And so that is a, you know, that's, that really needs to be, you know, like, I think we need to band together as a community and figure out how, you know, to make sure that we're supporting our projects and everything. But I think that's the one, you know, kind of like red flag that I have is like, you know, people have to get paid to do work and, and a lot of people, you know, need this uh, allocation. Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, the, the counter to that though, is that it's, it, it's like without, you sort of like it's the end of uh, Monopoly where like there's a few people just collecting all the rewards until like you yeah. crush everybody else. 
So if like only the big protocols are getting the money to do development and they're already doing well, which is how they got the TVL in the first place, they mm-hmm. like, I, I totally get it from their perspective. But then the flip side of that is that there's a bunch of smaller projects who are getting zero and have always gotten zero. Yeah. So I trust the foundation and their judgment on almost everything. So I know that there's good reasons behind this. And I, I, I believe that it's going to be really positive moving forward. And I believe maybe there should have been some prep prior to, to the people that it was going to directly affect. So that's, as Forrest Gump said, that's all I want to say about that. Uh, so, uh, what is this bootstrapping program? Who, who, I'm sorry. That was really bad. Who, yeah, Dan, was a, was yes, this we, we touched right? on it. Right. We touched on it. This is the whole like 30 billion volume where, where they're kind of trying to incentivize the liquidity. Um, mm-hmm. I wrote a little bit of, in the docs, but they're trying to incentivize the liquidity, which in turn will kind of set up, jump, jumpstart the volume and enable, you know, Forex stocks, commodities and th- synthetics. I know they said uh, a, a month timeline for 30 billion. I know that that's been a big talking point because man, people are like on two sides with this because man, we, we want solidly to do well, but um, in a month's time, I, I think that's very, very unrealistic. Um, but the idea that 3 million in bootstrapping kind of turn into that much volume. It's, it's kind of, it doesn't really match, but it's good. It's something that's, that's, that's good for solidly. They want to jumpstart the volume and liquidity on there. Um, I like this. I just don't like stating numbers. I know this happened with OXD in the past where some people were saying, you know what, this should be the price of the token. Well, no, the market's going to decide that. Let the market do its thing. Um, you announce the program and you just can't, I don't like saying like, it's like saying phantom um, in three months, $32. Like, please, like I, where's, where is this coming from? Where are these numbers coming from? But it, God, do any so, of you guys know Daniel? Like, like, do, you, do you guys know Daniel that got banned from, from Kane? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Oh Alpha my Wolf. God. That's what he was doing, bro. All right. Keep going. Sorry. So, I mean, if we like, let's, let's unpack this a little bit, right. Just to, just to kind of like, well, first of all, can we get Oxolid back to peg, please? Like, what's the deal? Uh, oh, bag holder <laughs> alert. Raise your hand. Well, I yeah, just play yeah, yeah. a bag holder. Backstreet <laughs> boys, right? Yeah. Um, but, you know, so the, the tweet read that synthetics were going to be a $30 billion thing in one month. So it's specific to synthetics. So uh, is that possible? Like, you know, is there a way, like, is there a means to an end there? Like what, how, no, how, no. Like, how would it's that be really possible? Now, 30 billion in a month or 30 yeah, billion per day? 30, billion, 30 billion volume so, in a month. So in a month, they'll hit month. 30 billion volume every Total day. Total volume. Yeah, exactly. So, every day, yeah. that's the volume goal. Wait, if he wrote 30 billion in a month, to me, that's 1 billion per day over 30 yeah. days. That's what I read out of that. Which is a lot different than thirty billion per day over. Yep. <laughs> let me let me month. let me just clarify. I'll I'll guys talk. I'll just go right. talk amongst yourselves. All right. Uh. So, yeah. I hope they do it, man. Either way, narrative shift. Uh. And uh. Clay can exit his OX solid <laughs> position. Uh. Who knows something about SnapSync? So that's that's happening right now. And like hearing Mike talk about it on the AMA, it's it's a really important thing. For, for validator nodes to be able to sync quicker. Um, and it, it, it kind of paves the way for them opening up that gas per block. Am I right about that? I mean, it, it 
does it does because it has to do with like just you know reduced latency on the network and overall faster syncing. I like help people set up RPC nodes and validators sometimes, and it's always like nobody believes me when I tell them that they need about like three terabytes of NVMe drives in a RAID zero or RAID ten, and they're like, "No, oh, I've got these." SSDs and then they're like it's not syncing and I'm like yep it's because you have like three months to go or something like that. <laughs> so um, it, it like the hardware requirements right now are that you have like a fast internet connection very fast hard drives um, decent amount of memory stuff like that so by with SnapSync it just it will lower all of those requirements so you don't need to have a massive um, amount of disk space if you're not running an archive node and then you also don't need to uh, sync the full history of the chain to get up and running. So if you wanted to launch an RPC node or a validator node, you could do that in a couple of hours instead of like days or weeks or more. Um, and then there's other improvements included in the release to just generally help with peer to peer networking and, and uh, network latency. Okay. So Wait, quick the- correction, I, I checked it out. It's actually 30 billion over the course of a month. It's that one dumb unified theory tweet that got me confused where he said thirty billion in daily trade volume, half of Binance. Yeah, no, I, I take back what I said. I think that's that's ambitious, but it's not completely unreasonable. We've well, seen huge spikes in spooky swap volume for a daily, like you know, in market crowd. I can see that. It's just that one tweet is what I've been harping about. It is straight garbage. But continue, continue. But all the aggregators will. Go okay. We're backtracking. I'm sorry, double sharp. Yeah, uh, the bad, aggregators will route through solidly first. They yeah. just will. As long as the liquidity is there, the fees are lower. They get initial routing, and with them having the deepest liquidity on the day USDC pool, USDC being a very popular token, obviously to trade into and out of. Uh, I feel like that's part of the value capture of of trying to get some of that going through there. Okay, I'm so sorry. Forgive me, sir. Carry there on. would need to be so much wash trading for it to hit $30 billion. Um, <laughs> Like It would literally be like, hey, we're going to spend, you know, it's 0.1% fees, right? So they can literally be like, okay, we're spending $3 million in incentives to drum up this liquidity. And then we spend another million dollars on fees, wash trading this $30 billion, And now... There's solid exit liquidity, so we can dump. Um, well, so hold on, hold on. I'm gonna I'm gonna put another twist in this. So Alonzo over here says Deus is just pumping the Phantom King's bags. All of his bags are locked for four years. He does not no, hold Deus, a token. The token, the token Deus. Uh, Deus is just pumping Phantom King's bags. I believe what he means is Lafayette is just trying to pump the price of solid so that Phantom King oh. can exit. And well, he has Deus too. He has. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. has everything. Like, let's just be honest. Like, he's a supporter of the ecosystem. Um, his bags getting pumped means Phantoms getting pumped. Like, uh, yeah, you know what I mean. Let's just be honest. I think it. I think it's more like, like, you know, I have made uh fifty million. You know, from Phantom King's perspective, Mister Roosh. You know, I've invested fifty million dollars uh, into this shit. Um. I have the money to make it successful, but I don't have the manpower. So I'm just going to buy literally the company Deus and have them do it, which is like fine. Um, and it's like, it's just how, you know, business is sometimes done. Um, it's just like, I think there's still like a level of impossibility 
with what they're trying to accomplish. And yeah, I mean, good is gravy. It's like, but it, what's he going to dump his VE NFTs? Like he's going to increase the they're value locked. of the NFT. It's like he locked them. It's like, like tens of millions of dollars locked. So it's like either this goes really, really good long term, and he's mm-hmm. able to jumpstart, um, you know, an ecosystem, or it's kind of over. And like, kind of like inflating the price of Deus, like you know. Um, the Deus token. Now, okay, we have something that is pretty cost efficient based on, you know, initial uh, investment to incentivize things with because, you know, you bought these things for, you know, $10 and now they're like $1,000. Um, so, you know, for $10 or getting $1,000 worth of incentives, you can distribute to help incentivize solidly. So it's like, um, you know, part of it is like, you know, we're manipulating the market to a very certain end uh or to a very like precise end but um it is like you know it's just w- what these primitives were kind of designed to do as well um so it's just kind of it, it's it's the power of someone with a huge balance sheet um alameda does it uh a16dz does it everybody does this shit um it's just now it's happening on phantom in a way that it hasn't happened before um and it's like really obvious and people on phantom aren't really quite used to this level of manipulation um but it is like these primitives these DeFi primitives are designed to support it and facilitate it um and you just need to kind of sit back and watch because they're executing a strategy right now you know i I wouldn't like i wouldn't say i'm bullish on any of these tokens um because these tokens are being used for a very explicit end. Like, you know, the Deus token is none of my business. The solid token is none of my business, but I don't mind holding on to see what happens. Um, yep. Well, with solid, not necessarily uh, with Deus, but like I'll hold the bag um, because people with nine figure balance sheets can make stuff happen. Um, and it's just like how That's it true. is at the end of the day. And um, you need to like not get caught up with the hype. I think that's like the number one thing and kind of going back to what 24 said earlier, like the people like schizo posting on Twitter about how like, you know, Deus is going to create the future of finance. It's like they're going to facilitate, you know, the revival of solidly. Maybe they're going to facilitate a lot of interesting stuff uh, with kind of the really big backers behind them. Um, But you need to understand that this is like purely manipulating tokens and manipulating prices and manipulating uh, outcomes with capital, which is like what happens in finance and what DeFi, uh, what happens in DeFi. And this happens all the time. Um, and this, I would say, is, again, one of the first times I've seen it happen so blatantly on Phantom. Just don't get caught up in it. Um, just watch. Uh, watch what happens um, and, uh, you know, hope that they're able to revive solidly and give them what support you can without risking your shorts. Um, and you know, these are like really big players trying to do really big things. Um, and you know, it's like, you kind of just need to, to keep it at arm's length and just like, you know, again, support in a way that's constructive to yourself and to the ecosystem. Don't like try to make a million dollars. Don't try to like jump in and, and get caught in the hellfire. Um, because this is way above most of our heads. Like if you don't have an eight figure plus balance sheet, this is really none of your business. Um, and you just need to like uh, play it how you'll play it, 
Um, think about ways to play it safe. Think about ways to play it without buying uh, inflated tokens. Um, and there are like this will have a, a lasting impact on all sorts of things. Um, so just think hard about uh, how you're going to be uh, playing this event. Um, and just keep in mind it is an event. Like this is manufactured, um, and uh, it is you know it is what it is. Uh, and this is just an, you know something for us to trade against or with. Um, and yep. something for us to speculate on, but uh, what is actually happening is like out of, I mean, it, it's like, I see it as almost like an impossibility. Like, like it's like when you're talking about like the laws of thermodynamics and shit, it's like 30 billion in volume without over 90% of that being wash trading. I just don't see as possible at all. Um, and if they, they do wash trade and they're able to wash trade, like, you know, how, how many millions are you willing to burn to make solidly successful? Um, uh, and why not just fork it uh, is, is kind of my uh, point of view. Bug fix it and fork it. Um, the, I look at this like or like my pers- not about solidly just in general, though, is that a lot of new finance is very much like old finance, but with fewer regulations. So when you have people who can manipulate the market in traditional finance, because they have billions of dollars, like you can see that same sort of stuff in crypto, but without some of the regulations that like wash trading, there's no, I don't, you wouldn't get in trouble for wash trading your token. You would get in trouble for wash trading your stock. So there, it, it's like opportunities for people, whether it's institutional investors or whales or whatever you want to call them. Like that's sort of how I look at this is that you, a lot of it can be manipulated. And so um, that isn't necessarily always a bad thing. Like sometimes people with lots of resources come in and, you know, save a protocol that, that had something unfortunate happen or, or whatever, but it's definitely, there's plenty of opportunities for people to manipulate things in whichever way they want. And then you hear about like the wars are really just people with lots of capital and sometimes the people are like lots of smaller investors teaming up, but it's just people like playing against each other um, uh, with the rules that, that are out there. And have and you it, seen how nice GameStop and AMC is now? Like AMC theaters, like all got renovations. You know, GameStop, <laughs> like totally like redid their stores. It's like, you know, this is exactly what happens when capital moves. It's like, yeah. you know, it can be good. And solidly right now, it's like in shambles. You know, there are cobwebs everywhere. You know, all the employees are old and smelly um, and, and they're trying to kind of bring it back. Um, and uh, it is like an uphill, 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 uphill battle. But, yeah. um, you know, I, I imagine um, at least I hope uh, they have some kind of long term plan here uh, that can, you know, create a modicum of success. Because, I mean, if you're taking on. Like all they would need to do is build a farm on top of solid and start incentivizing things with the Deus token and keep it well inflated and ooh boom now it's their exchange, um, and uh, yeah so uh, it, one, one it is thing is. I want to point out and and I'm sure most people know this but I'm sure there's also people that don't know this when you see somebody with a big vested interest giving you a concrete price target they're playing a very strong psychological game with you and what they're doing is they're giving you all right, this is now real. $10 by the end of the conference. This is now real. $100 solidly. This is now real. And and when people have something real in their head to shoot for, they're they're calculating the distance between now and then. And they're making their buying decisions based upon 
this, as Justin would call it, notional potential, maybe pie in the sky wealth that's happening. And that's a big psychological game that's happening. Now, that being said, it doesn't mean you can't make money going in the same direction as people with a large vested interest in seeing a token move, right? Even as a, a minnow, you could still hop on that train and ride it for a little while and then get the hell off of that train. And lots of yeah. like, lots of crypto is that like, that's you're riding a narrative, right? I don't, we've said that word I a mean, thousand times here. Yeah. That's, that's, you know, using non-crypto things. That's exactly what happened with AMC and GameStop, right? Is it, it wasn't, it was the reason that that was different is it wasn't institutional investors playing against each other. There were like smaller investors put their money together and pretended to be an institutional investor. And like, basically like what all the people were doing were like, you have this huge collective of people, you know, short squeezing and like you just joined up with them and got to profit. Um, it wasn't like, if you follow like, which is definitely not financial advice because you know, that's, this is all like risky, crazy stuff, but like you are basically like hitching your bag to everybody else's and then going up with it. If somebody's going to like put a bunch of money into something and make the price go up, it's not a terrible, like that doesn't, there's opportunities to make money, whether people are forcing things to go down or up or manipulating in different ways, you okay. can play against them. You can play with it. It's, it's just something that I, I think people aren't necessarily aware of how much things can be manipulated by. Yeah. 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 So, and when the but, guy driving the ship decides he doesn't want to play anymore, right? Uh, that's who get that's that's the issue. It's like, you know, attaching your bags to like if there's someone that's providing all this momentum, especially if it's one party. Like you can think about it in terms of decentralization. If there's one guy or one small group of guys uh, or women pushing um, this narrative and and driving this ship. The second they decide, I want to make some money now, or I'm tired of this, you know, the people behind are are now left to carry that huge weight dropped on them. So that's that's where the risk is, and um, you know, Byte Masons are solid bag holders, and we will uh, try to help how we can. Um, but it's so, it's it's also just you know very risky. And so there's does, still enough. There's enough people with a vested interest. Like there's Ethereum protocols there that came over and people were bridging liquidity. Like there were a lot of people interested in making something happen and they have tokens that are locked and all that. So I do still in LAFA and like all like there are people who are gonna keep working on it, which you know, who knows where it all ends up going. But I do think I would I would like to think though that there is some sort of like longer plan. Um with it and i know that people are continuing to do development but i don't know where where it goes but i don't know that people are like it doesn't seem like people are just completely abandoning yeah i mean it's a high so, risk high reward for sure yeah and, and so like to to Beavis's point earlier about sort of like institutional games right like i mean as we get more mature those those games are going to come i guess they're now starting to come in this form right but like this is inevitable and so if you if you know that and you're you're intelligent about it and you're informed of what's going on you can plan around that but but 2 weeks ago we said is solid dead is solidly dead like are we you know is that it right this week we're saying here's the new narrative here's a plan in place it potentially if they could pull it off as a billion dollars a day in volume through synthetic synthetics like there is some good in this in this thing right like if you're pumping a like you know what I'd like to see I'd like to go to CoinGecko and and go on dexes and see two different phantom dexes in the top five pushing daily volume like 
that to me is a positive for Phantom. So yeah, there's, you know, there's games to be played. You know, I think four year locking for the V NFTs is also take some of the, you know, some of the manipulation aspects out of it if things are locked for four years. Uh, but like as a narrative, if this thing succeeds, that's good. That's good for Phantom. So like in a way, I hope that this works. And if you're going to bring another billion, a billion dollars to our network in volume, like great. Hey, yeah. Neil OG, solidly doesn't have a representative anywhere. 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 Yeah. <laughs> so we're, literally, we're literally all solid bag holders to a certain That's extent. Hilarious. Yeah. 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 See that? Like, I, we're, like this isn't this isn't fun. This is 100%. We we have a lot at stake with Solidly and we're going to be realistic with our outlook. Yeah, that uh, one and, comment that says that you're fudding, like he's just reminding yeah. you time and time again, keep your pants on. Like, don't don't invest everything you own. Solidly is still a great dex. Like it's what fifty six million in volume, three hundred million liquidity. A lot of projects would wish for that. If that's failure, gosh, man, I want to fail every day. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, it's, I it's, it's, some positives as well. <clears throat> There, there, there just needs to be some perspective because everybody's going to preach the bull case uh, yeah. because everybody's trying to drum up exit liquidity. Um, and I am willing to lose money on making sure you guys understand the, the you know, factors at play here. Um, so just, yeah, just understand that, like, you're going to be hearing the bull case nonstop. I'm not fudding. I'm just offering the perspective that I think is, is necessary. And, uh, I hope to God solid goes to a hundred fucking dollars. <laughs> I will, uh, do pretty well. Um, uh, I'm just very skeptical. Yeah. And it, the only bias I think we have here, Neil is all of our faces are on camera. Our names are here. We care about the well-being of the network above all. And so what we're talking about here, um, it, at least for myself, and I believe for the rest of these guys, is going to be in the vein of what's best for the network, which also means what's best for the community, which means if we sit here pulling a, uh, I don't know, who are some of those pumpers? There's a lot of them. Now, Suppleman and Ian Bellina, and we just you know, blow smoke up your ass the whole time, which sometimes we do that, but we blow smoke up your ass about teams that we know and believe in, right? In this particular case, it's a huge flashing red light. Like in, unless you have a, a massive risk tolerance and titanium balls, like don't play this one. Like it's, yeah. you know, you're definitely at the roulette table here. So anyhow, let's move on. Hey, last topic real quick. Consensus 2022, June 9th through 12th, Austin, Texas. Mike Kong, one of the speakers, there's going to be some phantom workshops. I have been told uh, that the uh, some phantom native projects will be there assisting with some of these workshops. Um, if Bebus isn't there, I'm boycotting. And uh, But anyhow, I bought my tickets. We're going. Uh, even my wife is going. It should be a hell of a time. Uh, if Double Sharp doesn't go, I'm sending a bag of flaming dog shit to his house. I don't. <laughs> <know>. <laughs> I, think, I, I think I think I'm gonna go. It is freaking expensive though. It's like it uh, is a thousand dollars for a ticket. It's gonna be hot too, man. Texas Where do they get we'll off? Put a ticket and put for just our first name, and you can go one day, and I'll go another day. Dude, that's actually a really good idea. Yeah, I I don't understand the four figure like tickets for these conferences that like. All you're doing is like being advertised to. Like, why am I paying a thousand dollars to get advertised? Yeah. To? 
But it, I mean, you know, I guess it's networking opportunities. Yeah, but it's I like, bro, I can send an email. I can just send an email and meet someone at fucking McDonald's. And that's like five dollars. Bieber concerts. That is. Oh my god. <laughs> Dude, exactly. Slow down, dude. exactly. Slow so down. Give me All right. Tickets. How do I get free tickets to these things? That's uh, dude. You got to know somebody at CoinDesk, bro, or or be a speaker. Bag. That's how you get a free ticket. You're a speaker. Yeah. You get a you get, get on a, stage, a buy one get one. You get a plus one, about... and they probably, you know, give you a free hot dog or something. All right, I need to beg <laughs> and plead. Let me be it's a speaker. Awesome. So it better be a taco. Something. I would do it for tacos. I don't know what you're, you know. Yeah, I mean tacos, cool, dude. Yum, it's yum. in Texas. Come in. They got tacos there. All right, we're uh, we're getting off topic here. So, long story <laughs> short, um, it looks like Bitcoin's trying to close, maybe close the CME gap, but it is definitely retesting the uh, the heavy duty resistance Zero that we broke. Mark. So, if it, uh, <laughs> you're such a dick. Uh, if it if it if it does hold, I don't know. I, I maintain a bullish outlook. Um, Lots of cool shit going on. Phantom's in a great place. Solidly is still high risk, no matter what anyone tells you. And my name is Austin with FTM Alerts. Do me a favor, like the video, subscribe to the channel, like it, subscribe, like it, subscribe, like it, subscribe. We'll see you guys next week. Bye-bye. Yeah.